and welcome to Wii Universe. We are the internet's comprehensive Wii U podcast. It still sounds weird. It sounds I, weird. My brain was like, wait, what the hell is Steve talking We're about? We're doing a different <laughs> show. Uh, uh, my name is Steve Gunley. Hello, I am Woody Siskowski. Oh, man. What, what, what night would you be, Steve? I was like, going to ask you the same thing. Oh, my God. That's I was trying to come up with like a clever... We're either both 90s. really clever or we're both hacks. I don't yeah. know. Either way. We're, we're the same, whatever it is. I, I feel like, yeah, everyone in this world has some kind... There's some kind of object night. It's now night. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I was thinking about that. Um, I'm wondering if mine would be like trivia night. Oh, like yeah. Maybe, maybe That's I'd a be like a, like a Riddler type figure. That's where a pretty I just good like, one, yeah, I just for know sure. shit. I'd what? be like plastic night of just like owning a bunch of plastic and fiddling around with it. <laughs> like I had forgotten, you know, uh, you gave me a bunch of hero clicks and I had forgotten, man, it's just fun to like hold this stuff and it like really put it is. in his boxes and then like just kind of look at it. And the yeah. end result is I just have leave, get like a bunch of junk on my floor all the time. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, that's part and parcel of everything. Yeah. All my, all my interests like revolve around lots of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you are the plastic knight. I don't yeah. know. I like what what would be your attack, I guess? Like you just throw Legos at <laughs> yeah, people? Yeah, people or? step on them and it hurts like a motherfucker. Sure, <laughs> sure. Like, and I would just like I would guard gates and they can't get past me until they answer three questions mm. about like Yeah, Buffy you would the Vampire you would be a Slayer. literal gatekeeper. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is what you want from your male podcasters. <laughs> we need yeah. more white male gatekeepers, clearly. <laughs> uh well today we're gonna be talking about a little game called Shovel Knight. Oh, but yeah. Before we get started with that, uh, we want to kind of do a little something different. We want to yeah, talk a little I, bit I have about. Some, I have some bad news for you. Yeah, Steve. yeah. I forgot my Prince Valiant uh, on the bus. So oh, damn it. Gonna, all, all you princey heads, we're going to have to take a break. Don't worry. Next week, I'm sure I'll remember it and we'll come back with exciting week two. Uh, but I don't think we've even met Prince Valiant yet. I don't um, think so. So we I don't have to so. replace this with some other segment. So people, I, I hope you can stay on those tenter hooks just a little while yeah. longer, uh, uh, and hopefully you can get there. Uh, but we'll we'll get you back on your princey stuff as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, but firstly, uh, what are you playing lately? That's not a Wii U game. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. We're, um, I think. Yeah. We can just kind of talk about other things that we because we have other interests. Warm. We have other things well, we do. Yeah. Except our other interests are just other video. They're just games. different video yeah, games. But the you know, same interest. it's okay. Uh, I've been playing Half Life, Alex. Yes. Thanks for letting me uh, borrow your quest. We uh, kind of tag team this one. I had the computer. Yeah. You had the quest. Uh, it worked out well. Yeah. yeah. Um. This is this is a scary game. This might be the the scariest game I have ever played. Um, it's up there. I've certainly been more frightened by games but that was when i was even a more scaredy little kid sure um, but yeah there's some moments here that really I mean, double give you dribble the, was really scary, yeah exactly you know? yeah, play, yeah. actually the game 720 like this fireball chases you <laughs> and it does actually freak me out nice. very confusing the game skate or die i don't know if that features a giant fireball that kills you but the game 720 actually does yeah um yeah have life alice super cool hard to it's like if you just played this on your computer it might be like seven eight out of ten game you're like this was a very atmospheric like cool shooter yeah but it wouldn't stick with you like the way it does um with the vr like it is really immersive some really scary moments and it really like like okay this is what vr sort of needs to be and i feel like if they could get to the point where there were like three more games of that quality yeah like it would kind of be taking the world by storm but it's kind of i don't know it's kind of like feels like that is really cool yeah and the other ones are kind of like this is kind of like your wee boxing game but you're in you're in it yeah like, yeah I don't yeah, know. yeah it's not quite the same level of like wow this is really a unique experience this is like the game that makes the best possible argument for vr mm -hmm. as a concept like this is this is as close as you get to a system mover for VR yes. uh, because, goddamn, yeah, Half-Life Alex is an incredible was, experience. I mean, that was the intent was Valve uh, basically put out this super high-end headset um, that's like $1,000, and they're like, we're also going to make this great game for it, and then Oculus put out a $300 headset. <laughs> I'll just play it on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of a complicated process to get it. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, like, well, because you yeah. have to play, you know, play, run it through your PC. V VR isn't, hasn't quite, I mean, the Quest wants to be simple but then you can't play the pc vr games which are a lot more in depth yeah um so yeah that's what i've been playing i've i've, I've been really enjoying it but i can only play it's taken me a while to get through because i can only play about an hour at a time before i get a headache both from the quest pushing against my forehead and just like a little bit of nausea that was it's mostly not too my, bad but yeah mostly my issue was just kind of the weight of the helmet on my head like i didn't get too much nausea but there were definitely opportunities for that and 
uh, I definitely get vertigo if I'm like if you're walking across like a narrow plank in that game yeah, and look yeah. down like oh god <laughs> I can see that yeah uh, I've been playing something older and significantly less uh, cutting edge I've been playing uh, the Sly Cooper remastered collection oh sure. Um, just because I haven't played them in a while, I kind of wanted to look at I've it. I've never there's, played any of those. They're really there's, nice. Uh, the there's a, a very good um, HD upgrade on PS3 that has all three of the main nice, games, nice. and uh, I'm uh, nearly at the end of the first one. I'm kind of trying to do 100% trophies on all of them, just wow. as a casual thing, because they're pretty easy trophies. Mm. Um, but they're they're really clever. You know, Sucker Punch is a company we've talked about a few times before. They did Rocket Robot on Wheels. Mm-hmm. And then this last year, they did Ghost of Tsushima, which was one of my favorite games of last year. Just this really gorgeous samurai epic. Uh, they they haven't put out a bad game that I've played. I yeah. really enjoy all their stuff. And Sly Cooper, it's kind of like, I mean, it's fairly clean. It's like stealth platforming, right? Yeah, but. it's stealth platforming. It's got a lot of little mechanics that you can, you can do. You can make yourself turn invisible. You can hop on like rails, like Ratchet and Clank okay. and slide around and stuff. It's got this very cartoony presentation. Like, even with episode titles between levels, like Sly Cooper in oh, something, cute, something, something. Cute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, a good variety of games. There's some racing mini games, some, uh, uh, like, twin stick shooter stuff, some rhythm action games. That sounds like a lot of fun. I that like Sly Cooper good. a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be going back. And I haven't played two or three, so uh, oh, all right. it's one so, of those series that just kind of gets lost in the shuffle, I think. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's really good. And I think they're even still making them or... A there new was one's coming out soon. There was know. one recently, like three or four years ago, okay. maybe, but um, it wasn't by Sucker Punch. It was actually by the team that did this HD remake. Oh, uh, they got it to that's take kinda, a license I mean, that's from there. Kind of cool. You're that's like, nice. Hey, you, yeah, you worked on these. It's like you guys did a good job. Do this yeah. one. I haven't played that fourth one. I don't know. I, I haven't really heard anything about we'll it. We'll see but how the, the three go. I'll see how it goes. Yeah. Maybe I'll run the series. All right, let's talk a little bit about our game today. Yeah. It's a little game called Shovel Knight. Now, we've we've gotten into the world of Kickstarter-funded games a little bit in well, the I mean, past. <laughs> believe it or not, it doesn't come up that much on the Nintendo 64. But it did come up. Like, the, the 40 Winks episode oh, was a yeah. specific example yeah, where, like, a good point. we were delving into Kickstarter. And the Wii U is going to be interesting because we have a couple of Kickstarter-funded games, and we've got kind of the two polar ends of it. We've got Shovel Knight, which mm-hmm. is... What happens when everything goes spectacularly right? Yeah, yeah. And then we've got Mighty Number no. Nine, oh, which okay. is uh, uh, which had a really troubled launch, and is kind of how Kickstarter can just blow up in everyone's face. That's true. Yeah, they're both kind of like prime examples that people cite of yeah, exactly the polar ends of how Kickstarter works or fails. But uh, Shovel Knight really kind of knocked it out of the park, and in the process, I think it's kind of become like the the de facto mascot of indie gaming. Yes. Like, like in a it kind sense, of like forced its way in there. I don't know. It sort of did like so pretty, pretty aggressively. Like all of a sudden Shovel Knight's just everywhere and it's on every platform and you can, you can get it in your thoughts, yeah. you know, like you can get this game anywhere you it want. It was odd. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this. A little, I mean, let's just get into it now, but yeah. it did feel like Shovel Knight kind of came out of nowhere as like, I don't want to say like a cultural phenomenon on like the realm of like Cardi B or something, but like Cardi B. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. Yeah. I guess she's, I guess she counts. She counts. If Cardi B does not count as a cultural phenomena, you know what does John Travolta's movie phenomena phenomena. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, what a fun word to say. Phenomena. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it was like this by yacht club games, which mm-hmm. is not really a company that had any like, credentials right this was their first thing well it has one important credential and it's it was founded by a guy named sean velasco who prior to founding yacht club was a director at way forward games okay and that's one of the exciting things about this wii u show is that we get to talk about way forward they did shantae they did the ducktales remake they did uh they do contra 4 they did do Contra 4, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're going to get to talk about on the Patreon uh, episode. Way Forward quite a bit on this show, which is great. I, I've always really liked Way Forward. I think they do really good stuff with 2D sprites. Um, and so you can see that the creator of that has kind of cut his teeth working in sort of retro-style okay. games like okay. that. Uh, yeah, so uh, a little bit of details about this. Shovel Knight was released on June 26, 2014. It was developed and published by Yacht Club Games, and it was also released on... PS3, mm-hmm. PS4, 3DS, Switch, OS X, Amazon Fire TV, <laughs> Windows, Linux, PS Vita, and Xbox One. Nice. The Fire TV was the weird one that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that's fun. That, maybe that'll be our new game.com. Yeah, right? yeah, so right? Often it just comes up out of, out of nowhere. God, that console um, drives me nuts because you're not supposed to say the dot. Like, it's oh. just, 
Gamecom. But there's oh, a dot in there. Okay. Like any anyone who's mildly internet literate would say game.com. Yeah. But when you boot up the console, like it says in a voice, like Gamecom. Like hmm? it's really stupid. It's a terrible console. Um, um so but yeah, so Yacht Club, like we said, it was founded in 2011 by Sean Velasco. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is their first game that they put out, and it was a Kickstarter. They had a very modest initial budget of $75,000 to get everything that they wanted to do with this game. Which is, a very, yeah, like a very small amount for a full indie game. Yeah, absolutely. It wound up grossing uh, more than 300000 exceeding all of their possible stretch goals. Yeah. So all of a sudden, they're on the hook for like, oh, shit, we promised all these things, and we have to do them. Yeah, and we will, we will talk about those features in a little bit, but it's yeah. like... Why Why was this game so successful? Like, why was the Kickstarter such a hit? Like, because, again, I just felt like it came out of nowhere. It wasn't like, like, because I've, I mean, I've never heard of that gentleman. Like, I know way forward, but yeah. I, was, I wouldn't be like, oh, this is a guy I'm going to support. Like, there clearly must have been something about this way this game looked that really got people excited. And I, yeah, was this one of the earliest, like, you know, they retro, like this is a clear retro throwback to something. Like, I, yeah, that's a, that's what we were talking about. Like, I don't know if there was something that hit bigger earlier, but I think I like the way you put it. It's like, this is kind of the harbinger of the second wave of indie games. If yeah. like the first wave of indie games was like braid and meat boy and, and Maybe Fez. Fez. Yeah. yeah. The indie game, the movies. Yeah. 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 Games like that. Like, uh, then shovel Knight kind of makes up this next wave. That's, that's like the Kickstarter generation. Yeah. You know, it's, it's Bloodstained and and uh, all these other games that are kind of funded by yeah, Kickstarter. Bloodstained is a good comparison because, like, that's a game that's, like, built as a very specific kind of homage to a specific game. Like, yeah. if you think of Meat Boy, you're like, this is a retro-style game, or Fez has, like, these retro-style pixel graphics, but it's not, like, a direct homage to any specific game. No, and it has like, Fez has simple graphics, but it doesn't look like an NES game. No, no. and, like, Bloodstained... Yeah, or Meat Boy. It doesn't no. look like an NES game. No. It looks like a Flash game, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of is, but was, um, yeah. but like Bloodstained is like this is basically Castlevania. <laughs> like, it's straight up Castlevania. It, it's from the makers of Castlevania, yeah. and we don't have the rights to it, so we can't call it that anymore. But it's Castlevania. And like Shovel Knight, very much the same. Is like this is an NES game. Like yeah. it's it runs it a little higher. Like. You couldn't put Shovel Knight on the NES. Oh, no, no. But, like, it very much, like, the style is a direct homage to NES, and a lot of the gameplay mechanics are, too, of, like, you're sort of... So, okay, wait, I have a question. Yeah. So, okay, I don't know why I say that, like, you haven't been talking, and then I'm like, wait, I have a question. Yeah, stop interrupting um, me. Yeah. <laughs> stop uh, interrupting you. So, I want to make the term Scrooge McDuckin okay. into, like, a real term, mm -hmm. but... To me, to be Scrooge McDuckin is to be swimming around in your vault of money. I, I figure it's just being really rich and not wearing pants. Okay, I yeah, mean, yeah, that works. That, too. I believe that is Winnie the Pooh and all oh, that's over Winnie the, the Pooh. Is he rich? No, well, I imagine Did he, he is. invest in like Bitcoin or <laughs> yeah, something. Like exactly. he's an early Bitcoin adopter. Um, oh bother! Blockchain yeah. is the future. Um, <laughs> it was not a Winnie the Pooh. It was not bad. Well, it was kind of bad. Mm -hmm. But the point is, maybe Scrooge McDuckin is this sort of pogo stick action that Shovel Knight does yeah. from the original DuckTales game. Because it's like, this game really pulls some small, distinct elements from NES games. Yeah, for like, sure. We it, have Mega Man. It basically... We have DuckTales, yeah. Yeah, Shovel Knight looks like Mega Man in kind of like... It's very odd because he doesn't really look like that much Mega Man, but you look at the graphical style of this game and you're like, wow, this looks like Mega Man. But like the like, simple the simple boss structure where everything, uh, like main character and every boss in Mega Man is something man. It's a yeah. similar way. Like everything oh, in this yeah. game is something night. That's true. You and know, like so way, it's definitely when you go from homage. screen to screen, it kind of pans over. It does that. The freeze and pan. Yeah, yeah. I always love that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's definitely made up of that DNA, but like, I'm having trouble thinking if there was an earlier game that did this, there was like retro city rampage, but I don't remember if that, that game was, was not good. No, I, I like it may not have taken off, but it was kind of, well again, and, but that's the same thing. Like that's a parody of grand theft auto that is just like with this older style graphics, but it's not designed to play like a retro game really. No, not like, really. Like it's it's pretty sophisticated and, gameplay. Oh, and that, wise. that would be the same as like Meat Boy, you're, or or Fez, or whatever. You're like these look like older things, but they are designed with newer things intact. Whereas Shovel Knight is basically designed to play like an NES game. Like there are more yeah. mechanics here, but if you could almost program this game for an NES, just like it wouldn't look like this by any no, means. No, because there like, are there are some like it's essentially sophisticated... a two button game. Yeah, yeah. 
There's some sophisticated like 3D action going. You might be able to fit this on a Super Nintendo, maybe, or maybe I, not. I don't. Yeah, I, I, doubt I, I doubt it. But I, doubt it. I think like especially with the initial characters in this game before you start adding all of this extra content, um, mostly of what Shovel Knight does isn't all that complicated. No, no, um, not terribly. So yeah, why do you think this game hit so hard in the Kickstarter? Was I'm it really just curious. that graphical I, style looking so clean and I hitting think, that nostalgia for people? I think that's exactly it. I think it looked just right. It was kind of arriving at a time when there was a lot of nostalgia for that kind of throwback uh, game style. And now it's like that that style is kind of saturated the indie game market like yeah. every game kind of looks like an nes game yeah. to the point where like it doesn't really move the needle for me anymore yes. like like i'm kind of all right cool you're, you're doing an 8-bit style what else you got yeah, you know I, I need i need something more to be going on gonna be honest it still kind of moves the needle for me especially when you fair. play as a ninja i'm oh, like i just can't get enough of these 8-bit ninja games it's totally right. fair it should be noted uh, uh cyber shadow is another game by yacht club games that's coming out pretty soon I think it might it, already be out. Is it? Is but, it out now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and it, it's uh, it's kind of like a Ninja Gaiden or Shinobi style. And that game looks pretty sweet. Like adaptation of a of a Shovel Knight idea. So apparently, the game that uh, the developers were most inspired by in the early going was weirdly Zelda Two, because of huh. that downward thrusting uh, sword attack that you have. They were both oh, talking yeah, about. Yeah. The, the the guys were talking about how much they liked that and how much cooler it would be if it was a shovel instead, or like. Okay. And then they just kind of took it from there, like. That whatever reason they locked in on their vision for the Shovel Knight pretty quickly, and they never wavered. Like they yeah. knew it was going to be called Shovel Knight. I mean, it's a great like design of character. I would say, like you said, he kind of just he inserted himself as like this unofficial mascot of indie games, but mm -hmm. like he's just a very appealing character yeah. in the way that he both looks cool because he's like a knight, but also kind of funny and family friendly because he's got a shovel. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's an interesting dichotomy, and like. We'll get into it when we talk about the story, but like the tone is really not what you would expect for something about a knight with a shovel. Like there's sure. something quixotic or, or silly about that idea. Yeah. And like that's not the tone that this game is going for. We can get into that in a little bit, but well, the uh, point is like this game, like, yeah, it's shattered Kickstarter expectations. They like yeah. sort of set out with this goal of we're gonna make this company, we're gonna follow this vision, and then it just hit big. And the end result on that was this game did get ported everywhere because, like, that was part of their deal. Like, if we make this yeah. amount of money, we'll port it to this system and port it to that system, and then we'll keep adding these extra features. And so the result is, like, I think the last bit of content for Shovel Knight came out in 2019. Yeah. Like, five years after the game had officially <laughs> been released. And that was, like, a full-fledged, like, campaign. Yeah. And it's just, like... It was cool because I bought this game... Um, because I was excited, you know, I it still hooked me in. With were, the, were you a Kickstarter? Uh, I was donor not a Kickstarter because I was not familiar with the idea of kickstarting. Like, yeah, it that was, was very much out idea. of my radar. And then this game got released, and people were like, "Hey, Shovel Knight's really cool," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll buy it." So I got it on 3DS, and then played it, liked it, and then many years later, I busted out my 3DS, and they're like, "Hey, we have a bunch of updated content," and I was just like my mind was blown by how much content was added essentially so for much. free they get, to this yeah. $15 game. They, like, they just, like, uploaded it. Like, like uh, I have, I last time I played this game, I think, was on the Wii U. Yeah. And the last time I played it, it didn't have all these bonus features. Yeah. So, like, I was a little confused when I booted it up. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, this is called Treasure Trove Edition, yeah. and, like, that wasn't what I bought. Well, and, like, super kudos to Yacht Club, like, because... They were they updated the Wii U version of this game in 2019, long after Nintendo had essentially given up support on the Wii. Everyone U. had abandoned like, it. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, we promised this in the Kickstarter." Like, I feel like Yacht Club is a particularly smart development team. Like, just the way that they market these games and the way that they were able to make this uh, Kickstarter success, and then their loyalty to the people who supported them. They've also been incredibly transparent about kind of every step of the development process on their blog because they, they I read an interview with the COO and they said it was kind of an aspirational thing. They know that people want to get into video game development. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to kind of chart it step by step Whoa. so people know exactly. They wanted That's there to cool. be more transparency so people know how that process works. I feel works. like there's been a couple companies that like that that like, 
it's basically like this group of people who have a good professional relationship and they basically get the idea of what they want to create before they splinter off into the new company. Right. And it's like the enter the gungeon dodge roll guys were kind of like this, or I think the people who made the messenger were kind of like this. They're like, we have this idea of what we want to create. Mm -hmm. And like, they've just created like they've really created like these great games by having a small team knowing where they're going and like being clear with their vision in the start right and then to be able to get that support so yeah. some of the early stretch goals that the company set they said there was go- they were going to add a four player co-op mode or a four player um multiplayer mode mm-hmm. they were going to add three new DLC campaigns focusing yep. on some of the villain knights and uh, a couple of other features like like a gender swap mode, <laughs> uh, challenge mode, and then, yeah, a couple of other things like that. And they delivered on all of it. Yes. it eventually, they did. And <laughs> I don't think there were big, long delays in between too many of their... Like, I mean, when you think about how many different pieces of content they released. But like, there's also, like, there's something we said for portioning it out. You've got yeah. five major updates over five years, you know? I think that... Yeah, that tracks. That you definitely know? tracks. And it's like, it, it, you know, sort of in retrospect, you're like, boy, maybe like some of these things that seemed like a fun idea when we promised them once the game sort of came to fruition. You're like, that's not really all that interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cough, cough, the multiplayer mode. <clears throat> but actually um, coughing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, well, let's let's talk a bit about like what is how does Shovel Knight play? Like, so we played this thing on the Wii U. Yeah. So we got the big fatty controller. Um, I mean, this game basically it just plays like Ducktales plus Mega Man. Like it's it's, it's, really, as, it's really that for NES. It's as straightforward like a two D action platformer as you could want, which mm-hmm. is it's to its credit. And it's also like it's difficult to point at this game and say what the gimmick is. Like, what's the what's the gimmick? What what are you yeah. what are you playing Shovel Knight for? And it's just it's not necessarily that there's a gimmick. It's just that it does everything it's trying to do super super well. Yeah. And like it's incredibly polished. I mean, the and gimmick fun. is the nostalgia, right? Like, uh, kind of, but yeah. like, I would also argue the story here is surprisingly compelling. That's true. And like, I think the you world would even compelling. perfectly enjoy this game if you didn't have nostalgia for those NES games. I'm sure t- you don't you don't rack up that much success on Kickstarter if you're only appealing to people who have NES nostalgia. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so I think that's kind of the idea. So you're you're if you're playing the main campaign, which was kind of retroactively renamed Shovel of Hope. And that's that's gonna be if you bought this game in 2014, this is gonna be what the game is. Yeah, yeah. It's just Shovel of Hope. It's it's like the way that we used to just call a new hope Star Wars because there weren't enough Star Wars movies that you need to clarify. Well, yeah, it, it well it became confusing because this extra content that were like different characters that you play as there wasn't just a character. So I mean, there was a character select, but it's like, you're not just playing through the same game with a different character. No. It's like a whole different sort of story. Yeah. And so when you select a different character, like the title screen switches to like this different subtitle. Yeah. It's going to be a totally different game. And so shovel Knight is going to be the main campaign. Uh, there's, I think it's like eight or nine worlds in total because you have to fight each of the bosses plus the Black Knight plus the Enchantress. So I think okay. maybe 10 worlds. Yeah. Um, and basically you're just moving left to right. You are bopping people with your shovel. You have a forward attack or a downward pogo attack where you can kind of continually bounce. The downward bounce. pogo, much more useful of an attack. Oh, yeah. Because the, 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 your actual basic attack range is pretty short. Yeah, so it results in you getting whacked a lot. And, and again, the you bouncing can, is just much more fun. You can see the Zelda two uh, influence there because think of Zelda like Link's yeah. little weak like That's dagger true. stab versus how powerful that downward bouncing thing was. Did, like, did, you, did you bounce in Zelda two? I don't like, think you bounce, but you could. Associate that with Ducktales, you could drop an attack yeah, like yeah. from above like that. I, I don't think you bounce, but it was a more powerful way to but attack. But you your in Shovel Knight, you also use that bounce to like um, for a lot of platforming too. Yeah, where you like bounce from enemy to enemy to get to a higher area or to co- close certain gaps or to get lots of secrets. This game's very heavy in secrets yes like, lots of just, stuff hidden everywhere there's a lot of areas where like they'll kind of fork and you'll go um to the you know instead of left to right they'll mix it up yeah um and then what what do you get in this game like what are your different power-ups and stuff like? well so you're firstly you're collecting a lot of treasure throughout mm-hmm. the game like you need to dig them up out of piles or beat them out of enemies and it's not just like useless baubles for points like you're right. going to use these at stores where you can purchase new relics, you can upgrade your weapons, you can upgrade your life bar, things like that. The relics, I feel like were inspired by Castlevania. Yeah, they are little uh, uh, switchable projectile weapons that you can equip and uh, fire with your Y button. So there's like 
a flame wand. There's this cool thing, um, kind of like you know that little th- spinny disc thing in Twilight Princess that's useful in only one dungeon, I've but it never looks cool. Twilight Princess. Oh yeah, it's like a it's like a thing that you ride on, like a gear. Twilight and... Princess was the game where I was like, I think I get Zelda. I think I think I get it. Yeah. And I've cracked the code, and I don't need to play another one of these until Breath of the Wild. I don't know how I knew that. in yeah. uh, <laughs> In two thousand eight. You do. But I was you like, Breath you of the Wild's gonna be the one. Like yeah, you know, I'll I'll set this one out. Yeah. 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 So they've got little things like that, like a horn and a fishing rod a couple of other things i forget like how this game really has quite a bit of it's not necessarily rpg elements because there's not really customization you're just kind of making your character better there's not like you know there's not like an add and subtract but it's definitely welcome and there's really a lot of crud that you can get and like the armor does a lot of neat things to spend your like you're legitimately excited to buy new armor to get to find a new relic yeah Um, and so that Shovel Knight himself, like, and this is kind of my problem with the game, which is not not really much of anything, but, like, I don't find Shovel Knight to be a super exciting character to play as. Like, I like his design, um, but he doesn't quite have the ability, like, some ability that makes him really exciting. Like, mm. he, I feel the same way about playing as Mega Man in the first Mega Man. Yeah. Like, until Mega Man got that slide and that charge attack, he didn't quite feel... Like, he had quite enough. Like, it wasn't quite complete. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I feel similar with Shovel Knight. It's like, you can whack things, and you can bounce. And those relics, I had forgotten about the relics, and they do add this other level. But one of the DLCs, I think, kind of uh, exposes a little more of what I want Shovel Knight to feel like. Uh Uh-huh. With uh, a little bit more variety of moves and things like that. Yeah, and a little more, like, uh, edge-of-your-seat action. Like, the, the pacing here is not quite contra style it's not like a contra throwback to the nes it is no. like a very leisurely uh yeah i would say the pacing more matches ducktales than even Mega Man. yeah in terms of like there's a lot of just general exploring and there's not really most enemies just will run into you they won't like be shooting at you constantly not too badly no and then you do get like a mario 3 style overworld map and mm-hmm. you get to visit villages and the villages like really slow things down mm-hmm. not necessarily in a bad way because, no, they, but like, they're bustling. They're safe yeah. places where you can just go have weird conversations mm, with people. Yeah, Bionic Commando, except they actually say interesting things instead yeah. of weird, poorly translated things. <laughs> it's like another Zelda 2 thing, actually. I am error. Yeah. Error. Um, and so, like, but there's a lot to digest in the village. So what is the story here? It's, All right, so uh, I copied the main story from the manual here. Oh, hold on. Let's oh, side yeah. story here. Oh, yeah, yeah. This game for the Wii U has a beautiful manual. Yeah, it beautiful is, manual, it is beautiful big, case. Like bright colors. And I think the Wii U was the last console that had manuals packed in with your game discs. Like consistently, yeah, yeah, I think so. Like I know my Switch copy of Binding of Isaac has a little manual that came with it, but okay. it's like a special feature. Right, you know? that is a rarity. Most of the time you could open those cases and it's just like, wow, there's a lot of empty plastic here, yeah. you know? Like, did this case need to be that big? But whatever. Uh, yeah, no, that's kind of a cool uh, last era thing, you know, for, for Wii U. And I don't think every Wii U game had a manual, but I think most of them did. And, like, with this one, like, the game's pretty simple. So, like, yeah. 90% of this manual is flavor, yeah. which is just, I really appreciate that. Absolutely, it's- absolutely. So the story, uh, according to the manual, says, Long ago, the lands were untamed and roamed by legendary adventurers. Of all heroes, none shone brighter than Shovel Knight and Shield Knight. But their travels together ended at the Tower of Fate, when a cursed amulet wrought a terrible magic, when Shovel Knight awoke, the tower was sealed and Shield Knight was gone. His spirit broken, a grieving Shovel Knight went into a life of solitude. But without champions, the land was seized by a vile power, the Enchantress and her Order of No Quarter. I love that, I love that <laughs> that's what they're called. Now the tower is unsealed and devastation looms. A new adventure is about to begin. And Shovel Knight himself is described as a, pra- a practitioner of the ancient code of chevalry. Oh, Very he's clever. like uh, William H. Macy from Mystery Men. Sure, yeah, yeah he's, he's the shoveler. He, he shovels, shovels better well. than anyone that I know. <laughs> it says he could do anything with his signature weapon, the shovel blade. His ingenuity and quick thinking have won him many battles, even though his stature is small. Always honest and helpful, Shovel Knight lives by the creed of chivalry, slash mercilessly <laughs> and dig tirelessly. Cute. Which is my motto, too, I think. Like, yeah. The two things that I'd really try and live by. I slash mercilessly, and I dig tirelessly. Yeah, yeah. it's a good word. Definitely words to live by. So, yeah, the, the Enchantress is essentially your big bad here, but it's the it's the eight members of the Order of No Quarter that are kind of the standout 
characters mm. here. They are yeah, these like are your said, Mega Man boss. These are your Mega Man style bosses, and uh, they all have their own thing, and their levels are all kind of built around the idea of them. So we have eight of them. We have uh, uh, the Mole Knight, the Plague Knight, the Treasure Knight, the King Knight, the Tinker Knight, the Spectre Knight, the Propeller Knight, and the Polar Knight. Now, three of those characters get their own spin-off adventures, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But I did want to talk about the tone of of the story here. Mm-hmm. I alluded to it earlier, but like your your initial thought is that this is going to be silly, and it just it weirdly isn't. Like there are moments of gravity here. There are moments of like emotional power. Like Shovel Knight, in between all of his levels, has these like campfire flashbacks to his life <laughs> yeah. with Shield Knight, like where they were in love and they were fighting evil together, and now she's gone, and it's like. This is like a tragic figure. He isn't just yeah. like a happy-go-lucky like robot wandering through the woods. He's a tragic figure. He's sad, but he's still trying to soldier on. And then the DLCs kind of expand on the world even further. So the one of them is called Plague of Shadows. It runs parallel to the events of this game, and you play as the Plague Knight. Right. And he's attempting to kind of execute his own secret plot. He's trying to gather the essences from all the other bosses plus Shovel Knight so he can make an elixir that will grant a wish. Okay. And then the wish, it turns out, if you don't mind me spoiling okay it, is it. that uh, he is... Spoiler alert. He's in love with the local witch lady, and his wish was going to be to make her fall in love with him. But it turns out at the end, she was already in love with him. They oh, don't so need the potion. For they throw it away. Well, let's, um, since we're going through the story of each uh, DLC here, yeah. let's talk about them real quick, just so yeah, we don't yeah. have to double back. Um, Plague Knight, like, they all play differently. Which they is, do. Which is super cool. And Plague Knight is more of a project, like, he's built around projectiles. He's and, he's all about bombs and potions. And, so like, like, the gimmick is you can combine them, right? To sort of yeah. a different arc to your throw and have a different type of explosion. So Plague Knight is just kind of like this weirdo alchemist wearing, like, a plague mask from the bubonic era. And yeah. he, you, you have, yeah, you just chuck these little bombs, and then you have this attack where... If you press and hold Y, you'll chuck a bomb, but you'll also charge up your jump. Okay. And so you can do like a really high jump. And then as long as you're still throwing bombs, you'll hover in air. You won't be able to like move oh, left or right, cute. but you can stay aloft as long as you're chucking bombs. That's fun. And like, so what I remember about this specifically is you, I felt like I spent a lot of time in the inventory here. Like, because you're constantly kind of having to switch to find the right combination of bombs, which I did feel like slowed the game down significantly. Yeah. I, 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 I would rank, like, if we were to do a little intrinsic ranking here, I would rank the Plague Knight campaign below the sort of default Shovel Knight campaign. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, the next one would be the Spectre of Torment. This focuses on the Spectre Knight. It's kind of like a Grim Reaper type. Yeah, yeah. And he's this is uh, taking place directly before the events of Shovel Knight. Okay. Uh, and... We learn that Spectre Knight is the one who's been in charge uh, of recruiting the other knights to the Order of No Quarter. Got it. And he's got a tragic backstory where he was kind of like this this young human knight named Donovan, and through an act of... He was a hurdy-gurdy man. He was. It's it's become the season of the witch. He lived way down below the ocean. Yeah, they Uh, called him Mellow Yellow. (laughs) Those are all the Donovan songs. That's all I got, That was pretty good, That was not bad. We could come up with four Donovan references off the top of our heads. That's not bad. Yeah, but he, uh, he he tried to storm the Tower of Fate. Uh, he was mortally wounded. His girlfriend was killed. And then the Enchantress appeared and gave him a Faustian bargain and said, mm-hmm. uh, I will let you come back to life, but you are my slave forever. So very, that's his kind of tragic backstory. Very cute little design. Like, you are uh, you know that there's a retro throwback game when you eat whole chickens off of the ground. Oh, yeah. Uh, but when you play as Specter Knight, he eats chicken bones and rotted apple cores. Right, because he's <laughs> like a spooky, he's on, spooky he's ghost man. Dead, yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. And uh, Spectre Knight's gameplay is involves around it's it's kind of more ninja y. Yeah, you you run up walls, uh, not really like Ninja Gaiden style scaling up walls, more like a Donald O'Connor and singing in the rain, like scramble, scramble, flip sort of thing. Right, it's mostly just a wall jump. Yeah, and uh, you can use your sword to slash upwards or downwards diagonally through certain items or enemies, and as, that'll give you a little boost up As you get close to an enemy, they'll have like a red slash that goes through them that dictates you can sort of dive at them. Yeah. And it does get some like, and this this is the one I alluded to earlier where this feels like a more fleshed out character that sort of feels more what I want from my classic throwbacks. Yeah. Because like he just feels more nimble and you get sort of a lot of exciting platforming yeah absolutely. Uh, whereas in shovel knight it just feels a little like all right i hope i don't miss this jump <laughs> whereas here you're like all right i gotta 
you know, sort of chain myself from one thing to the next. Yeah. Um, so Spectre Knight's really neat. I, he was he was my favorite of the DLC characters mm-hmm. for sure. I still think regular Shovel Knight is my favorite way to play. But sure, I mean, I you, like you can never top the original. Right? No, no, but yeah, Spe- Shovel Spe- Knight's very cool. Spectre Knight's Spectre fun, Knight. and he's uh, got one of the the richest stories in the game. Like if you want to learn about the lore of this world, you want to play the Spectre Knight one. And then the last one is King of Cards. Now this one follows the King Knight as he tries to earn legitimate royalty, and apparently in this <laughs> world. You become a royal. So he's King Knight before he's even a royal. That's the thing. Yeah, okay. He calls himself King Knight just because he's always wanted to be a king, but he's not. Got it. Um, and his his goal to try and become a king, this one takes place before all of them. It's the earliest okay. one in the timeline. The priest of quills. Yes. And he is he's trying to gain royalty by winning a series of card tournaments okay. for a handheld card game he wants called to be Joustice. the very best. That like no one ever yeah. was. And yeah, to get all these cards is his real test. No, and and to, and to, to, to figure out how the hell this the, game works is his cause. That's his cause yeah. because uh, this game is not super intuitive. So <laughs> this one's one of the strangest. I would say the the King Knight story is probably the most lighthearted, goofy of all the DLCs. Right. Uh, and I mean, so I mean, it we'll is get, half of like the platforming style. But yeah, he, I'll give yeah. him kudos for trying something different because yeah. like you know Specter Knight and Plague Knight. As cool as they are, they're just kind of the same thing. It's the original Shovel Knight. Yeah. And here you have those platforming sections. His uh, platform moves, he's got like a Wario-style shoulder charge. You can do it in the air. Which is, it, it feels weird. It takes a little getting used to because you have to charge into a wall to kind of spin him around. He'll start doing like this drill attack yeah. once he's bouncing off the wall. Which allows you to sort of bounce the same way that the shovel would. Right. That's how you pick up treasure. That's how you fight enemies or get on top of uh, obstacles. And it just, it, it feels a little weird. It works, but it takes a little getting used yeah, to. Yeah. But the, the His... other big part is like whenever you get to a village and kind of like the main treasures you find instead of relics are like built around this card game. Yeah. So the card game is called Joustus. Um, what's the best way to explain it? So it's, we have a grid of like four squares surrounded by two squares each on each side. That are, you can't place. That you those, can't place them. You they're, can they're, knock other cards. They're kind of grayed out. Yeah. Uh, you have card tiles that have arrow or direction arrows pointing on them, which indicates which way that uh, card can slide. And your goal and, basically. And it blocks other cards from sliding it that way. Right. Your goal is to uh, arrange your cards in such a way so that when everything is done shifting and moving around, you're resting on top of a green gem. Yeah, and so it's kind of like uh, the Pokemon trading card game uh, for Game Boy where you go like challenge people and sit down to a game with them, and then you play a run of this, and if you win, you get a card from their deck, or, or you get a card they've played. And yeah. It's playing for it's your amulet of quaz from Magic the Gathering. <laughs> sure, um, I'll take your was, word for there it. There was on a that. card in uh, Magic the Gathering where back when they were still figuring out what the hell was going on, where people used to play this game for ante. Okay, um, and there's like right right when the game came out, meaning you would take the top card of your deck and you would put it face down to your opponent, and if you won the game, you took their card and got to keep it. And okay, if they won. They, they took your card, got to keep it. And like the, the cards from this era now are just like absurdly expensive. Okay. So I wonder if there's someone out there who just like was anteing their dual land. It's like, yeah, whatever. I don't need that uh, Savannah. So like, and now they're like, oh shit, that's a $400 card. Um, but anyway, there was a card at one point, like they would build cards around this occasionally, even though they eventually realized nobody wants to lose their magic card. So they stopped making cards that played for ante. Yeah. But there was one where you would, Activate this card and flip a coin. And if you won the flip, you won the game. Oh, my God. And if you lost, you lost the game. But the opponent could ante another card to counter this ability. And it's like, who is this supposed to be fun for? Why would you design this card? Um, But... Anyway, that's what that's the most I've ever talked about magic on this show. But, you know, and, uh, and uh, despite us being on the coast, I am not a wizard and I do not understand the game. Yeah, yeah. fair, fair I enough. I tried, I tried. Um, speaking of not understanding games. Uh, yeah, Joustice, it, really weird. It's kind of like, see, I was excited by this idea. Because Me too. Because I really like learning new card games, especially sort of simplistic ones that are, like, I really like the Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy. Like, it's it's pretty fun and addictive um, because it just moves so quickly. Mm. Um, but, like, here, I think you hit the nail on the head where, like, this isn't really a card game. It's more of a competitive slide puzzle. 
playing. Which is or it's like the game so where you, annoying. you're trying to draw lines uh between the dots and whoever completes the square gets the point. Right. What's that game called? I, I, I don't called. I don't know. It's called- Drawy boxy dots. It's called the only thing we have for fun is a set of, is a piece of graph paper. It's called. So, I've got a blank Chili's placemat and nothing yeah, to do. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so like it's very hard to kind of it's a very spatially based game. Of yeah. Like okay, I'm gonna play here, which will only allow my opponent to make these moves. And it's a kind of game that I think would really appeal to some people. But yeah. I am not that kind of person. Like, I want no. cards with different abilities with, like, a deck I can customize. I don't want just arrows that I push the opponent's cards around. Right. Yeah. No, that, I, I found that annoying. And there, there are layers where you can kind of squeeze the card in between two other cards mm-hmm. and push both of them. Yeah, the, like, the mechanics are just not, I believe the term is grokkable. Yeah, as, yeah, uh, yeah. As you want them to be. Well, and there just doesn't seem to be much strategy. It's just all kind of I mean, of I luck think there the is draw. strategy for people who are smarter than us, which, Maybe, is, which but, is true but of life who, in general. Who out there but could who possibly is be us? smarter than yeah. us? Come answer my questions three. I am the trivia knight. Yeah, that's true. Please advance through here by telling me three facts about Wonder Woman. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, so the the King King of Cups quest, I think, was the most disappointing one for me. call it the King of Cups? Or is yeah, it directed by cards, Ter- excuse me. Terrence Malick's Shovel Knight? <laughs> Terrence Malick's Shovel Knight, absolutely, yeah. The, 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 the Terrence Malick movie that literally no one has seen. Sure. The, the, the one that definitely oh, Actually, no it's called Knight of Cups. But is that? Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I don't but, even know. I haven't sure. seen it. Uh, yeah. Uh, are there? We were talking a little bit. Like, Are there like in-game card games that you like? I tend to drift away yeah. from in-game minigames like this. Gwent in Witcher 3 was the only one that ever really, and really the hooked me. The only other one that I even remember as a thing was Final Fantasy VIII. Okay. But that game had so much other crap going on. I'm like, I don't want to figure this out. I remember um, Blitzball. I played yeah. a lot of Blitzball. I mean, I like, I like you know, card, digital card games like sure. Hearthstone or uh, Magic Arena or Pokemon Trading Card Game. Yeah. But it sort of has to be built totally around that. I just... For something to just be a side story, like I just I want to be focused on the main games. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and, I, like, and that's the thing. I'm not clear in the Shovel Knight uh, King King of Cards if you actually. I think that basically the gameplay is built around this, and so it's yeah. like if you don't really enjoy the game here, it's not like an aside, and you can just sort of play through the main campaign. Yeah, because I mean maybe you can, but like that part isn't the focus. No, no, and not like, really. I think that it's kind of a shame that they didn't come up with a more fun game. Yeah, yeah, for but, sure. Now uh, let's talk a little bit about Shovel Knight Showdown. Yeah. Now, this is the uh, one to four player multiplayer mode. Uh, that was released a couple of years ago. It was kind of one of their stretch goals as well. The This is a weird mode. This is a very strange mode because it, it's kind of formatted like it's a fighting game. So it's definitely just a Smash Brothers knockoff. But it's, They're like, it's what Smash if Brothers, just, but like... What if we took all your favorite Shovel Knight characters and had them fight each other? Right, but the thing is, like, the game doesn't really adapt the move sets into right. a fighting game mechanic. Exactly. Basically, you still have the same two attacks that every character has basic short range attack and sort of an air smack and there's some inherent unbalancing in in the character selection here because first of all there's only four of these characters that you're going to be familiar with having played Mm, before this like because you're you're not going to know how polar knight or propeller knight controls until you jump into it and then characters like like Polar Knight in particular, I feel like is at a disadvantage all the time. Yeah, he's just he's, like this giant square Viking man. He's like three times the size. He's a way bigger target. He's much slower, and he doesn't really have a whole. I mean, basically, super that's the same attack. move set as just Shovel Knight. Yeah, he's just Snow Shovel Knight. Yeah, you know? exactly. He's just like a really big Snow Shovel. So like, there's some unbalancing there. Basically, you need to skirmish a lot and try and collect these five red well, there's gems. There's two before different time modes here. Like your default mode is like run and collect the gems. Yeah. But you can also fight your opponent just to like if they get knocked out, you know, they won't be able to collect gems for a little bit. Yeah. And if you collect the gems first, you win. You can put in bots here um, for up to four people. But the levels just feel small. If it it feels chaotic and it's just not. It's not fun. Like, I don't know. You're like, yeah, I guess that is multiplayer Shovel Knight, but that's not really what I wanted. Like, I love Spelunky, and there's like a fleshed out multiplayer mode in Spelunky. But again, you're just like, this is not why I play Spelunky, and this is not why I play Shovel Knight. I feel like this idea should have been expanded upon as kind of its own standalone game. It's like 
there are like persona fighting games, but they right. don't play like persona, the RPG. They play like totally new fighting games yeah. built from the ground up. And this one just plays like shovel Knight. And I think that this mode is the prime example of like yacht club made a commitment that they were going to do something. Right. And then when they finally got to the point, they're like, yeah, whatever. Like they didn't really put effort into like, rethinking it in a new creative way they're just like i don't know it's four player and you fight like who gives a shit that that was the impression i got from it this doesn't feel like like a dlc that someone worked on and released later this feels like something that was in the game that they kind of snuck in Mm -hmm. like we saw a lot of like perfunctory multiplayer modes in n64 games it really didn't need to be there clearly like they weren't trying to draw your attention to the fact that they were there. There is less need than ever for perfunctory multiplayer. Like even yeah. though it's not great in a lot of those N64 games, like sometimes that was the game you had and you're like, yeah, yeah we'll play Star Fox four player. Look, I get to run around in the tank. Sure. Why not? Ground. Why like, not? You, Superman 64 you, getting you, caught in a floor simulator. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Um, but here it's like, you don't, you don't need, like there's plenty of games that are just only multiplayer games. Yeah. And like, let those, do their job like right we, and um, we, it's like we said it's cribbing a lot from smash there's Brothers. a break the target there's a break mode. the target mode there's a story mode that plays out just like the story mode in smash yeah Brothers. it even has like the different characters you fight in a line over at the top yeah I, I was excited by the idea of like having a co-op mode in this game but then i just then you know we realized oh it's just the fighting game mode but you're both on a team still it's right. pretty impressive that you're getting five distinct story modes in one game like they're yeah, and on one disc, there are five modes with completely I mean, different game, stories. If you bought this game at launch for 15 bucks, or I don't remember, I think it was about 15, maybe like 20. Yeah. You get it at like a ludicrous amount of content, like over five years. It is literally a treasure trove. I think eventually, once they realize how much content they put in the game, they raise the price. So like, yeah. if you want to buy tre- treasure trove uh, Shovel Knight, it's like 20 or 25 bucks now. But it's like you got all that stuff by buying it initially. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, and I want to say a, a couple more things because we played this game on the Wii U, yeah. so I feel like we should spend a little time talking about like the Wii U specific features. Which is first off, and this is going to be a thread here. Mm. I hate that goddamn gamepad. Okay, it feels, still, still, still not warming. It, no, it feels so weird for playing a game like this. Like this is a game that in an ideal world you'd play with an NES controller, which obviously wouldn't work because you would need a third button for throwing mm. your projectiles. But, like, that's what you want for the full nostalgic feel. And, like, the gamepad on the Wii, just, Wii U just does not feel that way. Now, it, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, and just kind of bear with me on this yeah. thread, but, like, I'm wondering how much of this is psychological. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, do you think you'd enjoy the gamepad better if you were just playing on the gamepad? Or, yes. or is there something? Yes. Is no there something question. throwing you off about watching it on the TV and then controlling like this big heavy thing, but then seeing it on the TV? Like, yes, I I do think that I well, it feels I think a little it, better in my estimation. Yeah. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. I I I do think it is psychological because I think having this style of retro throwback game playing on a gamepad that feels so like hefty, mm-hmm. like. To me, like the association with like an NES game is those controllers kind of feel like toys. Sure. Like, um, and whereas this thing feels like you're holding a computer. Um, to a degree. It, I, you know what I was realizing it reminded me of? And it, it was uh, growing up with a Game Gear. Oh, Like, it sure. makes me feel like a Game Gear. And maybe that's I why I got that. used to it, because that also was a big, heavy, thick, clumsy handheld yep. thing. Especially because I had the magnifying glass. Remember when they had those? Like these big, gigantic I had like the little bendy worm light for my Game Boy Advance. Yep, 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 yep. So it, it feels odd to me, but I think you're totally right that if I was looking at it on the gamepad itself, it wouldn't seem quite so weird because it would no. just be like, oh, this is just a handheld game. Um, and you can the feature is you can use the uh, gamepad to be your inventory. Yeah. So like you can you can set it to mirror what's going on on the screen or you can use it to be your inventory, which seems handy um, because I do remember as you get farther in the game and get more sub weapons, you do have to spend a lot of time sort of going to that inventory yeah um so nothing wrong with that i just am nothing not crazy about the the controller stuff no and i understand and and yeah like you said you are able to switch it and just use it as the second screen if you prefer like uh, this, this is a night i mean it's a very nice feeling game to um play on this small game pad like there's a, there's just some i don't know there's some games that i don't think work very well in handheld mode yeah um if you're playing switch or you know this wii u equivalent and like it's weird that you can basically just play Bayonetta 2 on that little screen. You but can't, it's yeah. Like, it doesn't quite feel like the right way. Whereas Shovel Knight, 
it feels like it feels just as at home playing it on the little screen as it does on the big TV. Most definitely. Which is nice. Some other Wii exclusive features here. Uh, there, there was something. It's no longer available, but it was called Digger's Diary. Okay. And it was basically a uh, a chat board that connected to the Miiverse, mm. and you could offer tips and you could give each other uh, supports. Like the the Wii, the Wii or the Miiverse version of a like was called a yeah. Yeah. And the way to give someone a yeah in Digger's Diary was to click on a button that says verily. <laughs> so nice. I like the That's idea cute. of like, ooh, I really like that. Verily, verily. <laughs> Uh, that's been discontinued, obviously. The other big thing, and this is actually, this is going to be something we're talking about regularly for, throughout the show, but this is the first time it's really coming up with us, Amiibo support. Mm-hmm. So every version of Shovel Knight that came out had its own kind of distinct thing. Like PS4 and Xbox had exclusive bosses. So oh. like uh, in the PS4 version, you get to fight Kratos. And in the Xbox version, I did not know this, you get to fight Battletoads. Nice. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. This one doesn't have exclusive bosses, but it does have Amiibo support. So Amiibos, uh, for those who don't know, are little plastic figurines that you scan into your game, and it will unlock some bonus content. I very stupidly just sold my massive <laughs> collection of almost complete Amiibos uh, because I'm moving. It's a whole thing. Sure. But like, I, I just recently sold them, and then I'm like, oh, shit. I, I, right I, before I, the Wii U show. Yeah, I had them the entire <laughs> Nintendo 64 one. So I'll, I'll have one or two that I'm picking up along the way. But, but I, um, I mean, as we discussed, like, generally Amiibos didn't do very much. Like, you no. scanned them, and they're like, okay, here's like a feature that should have just been in the game anyway. Well, and that's the funny thing about the Wii U version, because everything that you could unlock with the Amiibos for this is now standard in the game. And you're no longer like scanning the Amiibo doesn't do anything. Basically, it unlocks uh, some of the the co-op modes. It unlocks the challenge modes, a couple of other different things like that. It creates a custom night where you can customize it. Hmm. Uh, The Shovel Knight figurine is an interesting one, too, because... Nintendo, for whatever reason, on the original Shovel Knight Amiibo, they forgot to put the little foil packing in the bottom of the box. So the part where you scan the was part that you scan. Exposed. People were coming into the stores with their 3DSs and just scanning the material, getting it for free, and then leaving without buying the figure. So they had to issue a recall on that. Um, and later they would release some Amiibos of Plague Inspector and King Knight. So mm. those were really cool. Yeah. Um, and they would all unlock their own special features. But yeah, we're going to have... A lot of amiibo talk coming up on this show. There's this was where they were really trying to push it hard. Now, do they still make amiibos? They still make them. Uh, it's pretty sparing. Lately, I kind of only see them around new Smash Brothers characters. Like, okay, sure. So they did recently release one of Joker and Hero from Dragon Quest. Do you have Quest. a Steve amiibo? Uh, no, I don't have a Steve amiibo. Okay. I'm gonna get the Steve when when uh, <laughs> when I can buy a Steve. You know, um, I got to. It's. I mean, I, I kind of feel like the sort of idea of Amiibo as a feature has kind of fallen to the wayside. Like, I feel like they've more become just like, this is a collectible. It's a collectible. They're, yeah. I mean, they're they're incredibly detailed, well-made, they're beautiful ni- They're figurines. a very nice size as well. Very nice like size. Small, but not like mini. Like, you're not going to accidentally step on your Amiibo. <laughs> like, no. It's, it's, as, a, it's a purposeful choice. As Griffin McElroy proved all those years ago, you can fit most of them in your mouth. Oh, so, you know, is this a science experiment that he did? <laughs> this, was, uh, this was a feature on Polygon. It was called Amiibo, Griffin's Amiibo Corner. It was always super weird. He would give a review of an Amiibo, and then he would see if he could fit it in his mouth. Okay. <laughs> it was well, great. Do you remember any of them that he couldn't fit in his mouth? He couldn't fit the... Um, rule? No, it was like the 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 Wolf Zelda, like the oh, Twilight Princess one. Yeah, and, it was that tail. And I think there was a Breath of the Wild, like a really super sized one of one of those Walker robot things. Oh yeah, the Guardians. You can't fit that one. Yeah, yeah. It get it's it's an incredibly funny series. <laughs> if you haven't watched it, it's so funny. Um, but yeah, I the other thing I wanted to mention about Shovel Knight was that, like I said, he's kind of become the mascot of indie gaming. Yeah, and that's because Yacht Club's been very free with the character. Mm. He. He kind of appears in everything, and a lot of these are games that you're just never going to play, but he's appeared in at least 40 different indie games at wow. this point. Like, okay. anytime anyone asks, they kind of just let him show up. Some of the ones that you may have heard of are Ukulele, Runbo, Crypt of the Necro Dancer, Mutant Muds, Bloodstained, Blaster Master Zero, Project Steam, and then the tiniest indie game of all time, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. A <laughs> uh, little scrappy thing that uh, no one's really heard of yet, but he's a support trophy and a... I think he's a me fighter skin now as well. So you, oh it's, yeah, yeah. It's what I like. The, I like that they. I did like that, that they're doing where that. Where they're like, okay, we're not gonna make a Cuphead or a 
Kino. Yeah. But like, we'll, we'll let you dress up as. Or like, I'm playing. Funsies. I think my my me shooter is like a uh, the guy from Fallout, like the little nice. Pip Boy guy. Pip Boy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's that's a nice thing they're doing. But like, you, you can see Shovel Knight pop up in everything, you know, and he's. I think uh, there is something very aspirational about the success of the game and like every developer wants just a little piece of that, you know, so and Yacht Club's been like, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, cool. they, they seem very dedicated to supporting the indie gaming scene. Mm-hmm. And that's something I really like. Um, we we don't have any more Shovel Knight. Re- well, we do have one more Shovel Knight game on uh, on the way. It's called Shovel Knight Dig. Oh, weird. I've never heard of this. And this one's kind of, if you're familiar with the Steam World Dig series, it's like a vertical platformer. It's kind of okay. like uh, yep. Mr. Driller, Dig Dug style. Where you're Steam World Dig. Yeah, right. yeah. Where cool. you're just like burrowing downward trying to find treasure along the way. And that's what this is going to be for Is that Shovel the Knight. only other Shovel Knight game? There's going to be a uh, mobile game, a Shovel Knight Pocket Adventure okay. or something like that. But uh, yeah, I believe that's it. Other than the I mean, DLC, I'm sure that's that on Yacht here. Club, after working on it for five years, was kind of like they want to do other stuff. Yeah. They've got uh, a series called Azure Striker Gunvolt, okay. which is a very terrible name for what looks like a pretty fun 2D uh, anime style platformer. Uh, do we have anything else about Shovel Knight? No, let's move on. I to think we cover it. Let's yeah, rank yeah. it. Uh, this is great because. Uh, we don't need to refer to a list. We no. know pretty much what our rankings are. We played one game in Nintendo addition to this. Land. Nintendo Land. Number one game forever. <laughs> um, Wait, well. What? Are you, are, what? You're blowing my mind here. Yeah. Um, all right, what's your new number one game? Uh, my new number one game is Shovel Knight. Mine too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Shovel, Knight's Shovel okay. Knight. Shovel Knight is fun. It's. I don't know if it like ascends to the pantheon of like, this is an all-time great game. Because to me, like I had forgotten. I just kind of forget about Shovel Knight. Like I yeah. played it and I liked it. And it's fun. Like, at any time, if someone was like, I'm going to play Shovel Knight, you're like, great, good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like, oh, man, you have to play Shovel Knight. Like, it's it's not really like a huge sort of emotional, mind-blowing core or anything that it does. It's just like a very fun, clean game that, like, if you have NES nostalgia, will also scratch that itch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's my number one as well. I I always think of this in the same, like, kind of in the same league of, uh, of a movie like big or something like that sure. like like uh it's not necessarily one you're gonna seek out but like if, if it pops on up on tv, TV you're gonna watch the entire thing sure yeah and that's why i've played shovel knight like five or six times on a couple of different platforms because yeah. anytime you start playing it you just gotta want to see it through it's that it's you in get, that you get a new spot. platform you're like yeah shovel knight's on switch it's sure, always like, so cheap why, why, yeah it's and like not. it's in that sweet spot like i think this is a challenging game but it's not onerous it's not right. frustrating like it's it's a well, decent challenge but it's not going to break the you. checkpoint system in this game is really good yeah in the sense that they are very they're pretty generous with the checkpoints you never have to play like super long sections but if you really are feeling ballsy about it you can destroy the actual checkpoint markers and it will give you additional treasure right but then you know you need to get to the next checkpoint or you'll get knocked back farther and it's got so. kind of a dark soul system where uh you don't have lives mm, but anytime yeah. you die you're going to lose one fourth of your treasure and you have the chance to reclaim that, but if you die before you do, you're losing all of it. Yeah, uh, which is I, I like that. I like that system. I think that works pretty well. It's better than a live system, and it yeah. still adds some. There's some punishment for. There's dying. some stakes. There's yeah. some stakes, which I, I really like. But you know, Shovel Knight is fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy it a lot. I think this Wii U version is a really strong uh, port of it. And I like that I got to play with some of the DLC, which I had not gotten to before. So yeah. I got to expand my knowledge of the Shovel Knight world. Yeah, I mean, there's no real reason to play it on Wii U at this point since it's on Switch. Yeah, but like it's it's a good if you have a Wii U, you should play Shovel Knight. It's a very like I don't know for whatever reason I find the disc art and the manual on this to be like the best looking game on the Wii U. Just looking yeah. at the physical copy of it, yeah, that's I'm like a good this point. is a great looking game to have on your shelf. That's I don't a know. good point. You do get that, yeah. Well, I guess maybe that's a selling point is you get that very nice manual. Yeah, really nice, a, a thick boy. Yeah, uh, we have one letter. Uh, so first letter of the Wii U show. It says, "Hello, nameless hosts. They've already forgotten." We, wow. Yeah. Uh, Who did they think was running this show? Like we're going <laughs> to hire different people to do it. Quantum, but, yeah. obviously. The yeah, dogs it's just running. Dogs here. talking about Wii U. It's like the end of Silent Hill too. It's like uh, the, those horrible Christmas carols where they just have the dogs <laughs> sing jingle bells. <laughs> have they released like a now that's what I call music or a kids bop that's just all dogs singing pop songs? Boy, I TM 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 TM. <laughs> All right, uh, the letter says, uh, Burger Champ here, back with another brain-busting interrogative. Burger Champ, one of our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash ultra64pod. 
Uh, what NES game or series do you think benefited most in a subsequent entry or entries on the Super NES? And what game or series do you think squandered the move? And what about PS1 to PS2? So stay frosty and play on. So question basically, which one, imp- which game improved the most from NES to SNES and which one kind of biffed that transition? Okay. Like well, I'm a, here, I have a hot take. I'll yeah, start okay. with my hot take. Bring it. I think the Mega Man X games are bad. I agree. I, I agree. Okay. Uh, thank NES you. Mega Man games, thumbs up. Love them. All sure. six of them, lots of fun. Mega Man X always just feels weird to me. Their games are hard, but in like a frustrating, annoying way of like constantly getting crushed by the walls. You sort of have to bend your hands in weird ways mm-hmm. um, to like both dash and jump to the other side. So I think that the Mega Man games kind of biff the transition. I, I would agree with that. And I know and that that is not like a super popular take. No, that's but it's like, a hot take for sure. Like so many people have tried to get me into Mega Man X over the years as a Mega Man guy. Yeah. Like I li- I've played all six original ones. I loved them all. Yeah. But like I could never get into the X games. Yeah. Um, even yeah. though Sean White was there. <laughs> we the flying the Tomato. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the obvious answer for me is uh, Final Fantasy. Uh, oh, Final, yeah. No, Final Fantasy 1 and 2 on NES are dog shit sorry if anyone's fans of those those games are dog shit they're boring they don't work isn't like the whole system in final fantasy 2 built around attacking your own yes, guys that game never came out in the u.s they, uh, they were aware yeah it wasn't intended to like the gimmick behind that game is that as your characters do a thing yeah they get better at it yeah but they realized if you attacked your own so when they take damage their hp goes up yeah, yeah they yeah. realize the way to get around that is just attack your own guys yeah. to raise your hp and then go stay at the end or something yeah yeah it, it was it was a it was a no, dumb that, that game system is, is that didn't back. work and, and the, okay. final fantasy one is just so thin on plot and, and it's very and, yeah non-linear but i will say the moment in final fantasy one when you leave the castle and like it pans out and plays this the, this the final fantasy crystal music oh yeah it's it's a great moment sure sure <laughs> look you're, yeah. you can never fall to final fantasy game on presentation sure always gonna knock out of the park right. but final fantasy 3 slash 6 whatever you want to yeah. call and it then, super then, NES, is maybe my favorite game of all time yeah. and then four two slash four which, which you said you never played we were discussing i, I, I never think it's a total class i've never played but that's all i've it, ever heard five, about it. five is five is a lot of fun too even though the story's thin yeah i, I think s- that's a great example too how about series that didn't make that transition well that were better on the nes than they were on the super well, nes i just said mega man oh right no i'm sorry the other the other way around the the what were what succeeded like what moved for you like better from nes to super nes oh no i'm with you i think we're, we're okay happy. We're i think same, we're both on the same page same answer, I like, same uh, answer yeah, for both. I, I like those do you have one for ps1 to ps2 I, I do but i think it's another hot take which i i'm, I'm sorry um, no, bring it i don't really like ps1 metal gear solid very much okay all right it, I, like, I, I get like the presentation is awesome but like that game always feels weird to me like the stealth never quite works. I always just sort of end up muscling my way through it and am frustrated. Yeah. Whereas I think that uh, you know, uh Sons of Liberty and Snake Eater play so much better. It's true. Um, and you know, they don't even play great. But like having that having that ability to go into first person mode just makes such a huge difference to me. I always yeah. preferred the twin snakes version on GameCube, even though it's got kind of a game breaking thing, like the ability but it's to game breaking in a good way, in a good way, it's, because it it's, makes the it makes it easier. The ability yeah. to go into first person, like and shoot your weapon that way, a la Metal Gear Solid Two, yeah. makes some of the boss battles like way too easy. Well, they should have redesigned. They the should boss have redesigned battles. the like, boss that's battles. That's on them, but like the first person mode is what you want like right yeah that, but that, but that's yeah, just by, the hard part I have with Metal Gear Solid by kind of retrofitting slightly more modern MGS kind of tactics onto the first game i think oh, the the first game has the strongest plot i think maybe maybe snake eater's better yeah, but like Snake Eater's pretty good snake uh medical Solid 2 makes no sense and i will not entertain it oh but it's know. so joyful the way it makes no sense oh look it, I lo- it's, never before in a game have i just at the end of the game you're just like what what i remember what? distinctly like i i was i was following along i was with it and yeah. then you just reach a point where like yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it just goes so wildly off the rails. It's, There's like four-hour-long cutscenes. Joy. It's batshit. I, I have never. I. It's been one of my. There's just moments where you experience pure joy, and one of them was the ending of Metal Gear Solid Two for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like I have no idea what the hell's going on, but it's brilliant. I think my answer might be Oddworld. I think the jump from oh, like the weird s- take. It's a weird take, yeah. but I think we have the the side-scrolling kind of. Uh, 
the it controls almost like flashback yeah, or, yeah. or something like that kind it's of a cinematic that, style cinematic platformer and it, it's fine and i always love the world of it but it's just all about like getting these guys through these gates and then munch's odyssey uh added a lot when it went to the xbox and it kind of uh, made this really beautiful 3d world and then stranger's wrath is fucking dope is it okay that game i've never played i don't know much about odd world stranger's wrath is so good it's like a hybrid platformer first person shooter where you're a bounty hunter and you have like eight different types of living ammo that you need to combine. Yeah, that, that seemed really cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. And uh, I think that one really succeeded there. I, so, I, don't, I don't know what whiffed from PS1 to PS2. Like that would that would kind of... There were a lot of right. franchises that died, but I feel like they kind of deserved to. Like yeah. I was going to say there was a really shitty Fear Effect game okay. for later consoles. There was a really shitty Parasite Eve game for later consoles. Mm-hmm. But like they weren't great to begin with, right. you know? So generally i think those got better but hey send us in your answers to these questions yeah yeah we were ready to what how do how do people contact the show we are at ultra 64 podcast prince valiant exactly we're we're at ultra 64 podcast at gmail.com you can also get to us at squarespace through ultra 64 podcast.com we've updated everything We've got our uh, aggregated list from the N64 like era the and all of our stats. For doing this stuff, like I somehow contributed to updating the, the website. The royal we, <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. you know, go team. The, the King Knight we. Exactly, the King Knight we. Um, well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in next week when we talk about another game. And what game <laughs> yeah. is that going Whoa, to be? I wonder. That, that's out of the ordinary. Let's find out. Uh, the next game we're going to be playing. Uh oh, this is going to be. 007 Legends. We are uh, following up with James Bond for... we're getting a lot of biggies right right here at the start. I feel like... Was this the last... I think this might be the last Bond game. I think this one, this 007 Legends, might be the last James Bond game that they made. Okay. And it's been almost a decade now. So I don't know what happened, but uh, Bond is not a ubiquitous... talk about it next week, I think this... I suspect this game might have happened. Oh, interesting. We'll see. I've had some limited exposure to it, but we'll we'll see if that holds up or not. This could be another Chameleon Twist-style twist. twist. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right, everybody. Well, we will see you next time. Uh, Can you dig it? Keep bouncing on your shovel. (laughs) See you.